0: Hey guys, real quick, if you are listening to me on YouTube, thank you. Appreciate the support. But please feel free to check out your one black friend across other platforms as well. I am available on Spotify, Apple, Google Platform, and Amazon, your favorite podcast listeners. And this also allows you to speed through the information a little bit faster if I'm speaking too slowly, especially for super awesome episodes like this one, which tend to be a little bit longer, but the information is dense, and I promise you you'll Be absolutely excited at the end of the episode that you listened all the way through. So I'm trying to make your listening experience (laughs) a little bit easier. Um, And I definitely encourage you to listen on the podcast platform, your favorite podcast platform. You can find me anywhere. All right. Enjoy the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? I hope all is well. I hope this episode finds you well. Apologies. It's been a while since I put out. Um, an episode um, par- partially intentional. Um, one, because the previous episode I found, I felt like it was very important and needed to be listened to because there were a lot of ideas that were presented that were paradigm shifting, thought provoking, you know, kind of the nature of a podcast. Um, and and I, my hope was that people would listen to it um, who'd never listened to the podcast before and that the episode would sort of expand their perception, not only of reality, but also of themselves and who they really are. And two, uh, I have been traveling. So I've been out of the country, just got back um, a couple of days ago, now finally getting settled in. And um, while I may not have been able to put out episodes while traveling, I certainly have been busy reading and taking in information, which I always share with you my beautiful friends. Now, this episode is is going to present some information um, having to do with the myth of Genesis. And I apologize by using the word myth, um, and I don't mean that in an offensive way if you know you consider yourself a uh, Christian. Um, although I feel like if you have <laughs> if you've been listening to my previous episodes... You guys kind of get it, and I don't think the preamble uh, is necessary. Um, but I I study mythology, theosophy, theology, um, religion, more from a historical perspective, rather than a religious perspective or spiritual perspective. Um, because I think from that kind of mindset, we can... Fill in some holes about the nature of our reality and help um, understand this world a little bit better. And so when I say the word myths, um, particularly uh, in relation to the book of Genesis, I I need you to kind of understand that, you know, a thousand years from now or 2000 years from now, um, people will view biblical works the way we View Homer's Iliad or any writings about, you know, the Greeks and the ancient Rome, Romans, right? So, 2000 years ago, the ancient Greeks and Romans clearly had the same reverence for their gods. Like, they took their religion and their religious stories and their holy books seriously in the same way that modern practitioners of religions do there was an air of reverence around their holy books and not just the Greeks and the Romans, but also, you know, the, the Norse um, middle Easterners and things of that nature. Um, But as people who believed in Zeus and Hera or Thor and Loki sort of died out, their religion was replaced by a new religion and you know, the reverence around these mythical gods and goddesses sort of faded away um, as humanity sort of grew through time. So I approach, I should say this is why I approach any religious writing with that historical mindset, because if, if you took a person from you know, uh, from Iceland or whatever, uh, and put them in a time machine, let's put them in a TARDIS, and you brought them to our time, and you showed them a story of um, the Avengers, right? To see Thor and Odin and Loki sort of being made into caricatures. Um, I don't know if they would take it lightly, and as lightly as we do, we've turned people's gods into cartoon characters people's you know religious beliefs you know into cartoon characters into forms of entertainment and so all I attempt to do um, all I'm attempting to do is essentially project you guys 2,000 years into the future where the reverence around the our present you know uh, religious sort of ideology um, prevailing religious ideology um, no longer has that much of a hold on the minds of people yeah, um, because whatever you want to believe, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, um, this that too will pass, right? That sort of sense of uh, holiness will pass, you know, and and new religions will come up as they've always done, um, and every every civilization, every society believes that their gods are the right gods, and everybody else's God, you know, and gods are pagan. Um, my background. I am of African descent. My uh, original nationality is Nigerian. Um, My mother is Igbo and my dad is Edo. Yeah. So they had gods, pre-Christian gods, right? The, The Igbos believed in like the Mami Wata and Chi. And I don't necessarily, I'm not terribly familiar with uh what the Adobe believed in prior to um the influence of uh you know Islam and Christianity as well, but obviously, my ancestors believed something completely different than what people in that region now practice, or I should say what a lot of the people in that region practice today which is you know christianity and um islam right so it happens um and if you're familiar with for example the epic of gilgamesh right and and the beliefs back in the, you know that fertile crescent the middle east right they believed in the gods like inanna and things like that um and now you know they're largely you know arabic and so they believe in muhammad so things change um and the nature of this podcast is right, thought-provoking, right, expanding your mind, and getting you to look at things differently. I'm, I'm not saying you have to agree with everything that I say. And I, would, I would argue that the majority of people who listen to me don't agree with everything that I say. And I would take it a step further and say, I don't even agree or believe or accept everything that I say. So everything I say is subject to change as I come across more information. And I, in this present moment, have come across some information now that is interesting and I would like to share with you. So let's take the story of Genesis, not a religious, but more from a stance of mythos, right? And we're going to take a uh, theological approach to it, yeah? We're going to talk about the two creation stories in in the book of Genesis, two, creation stories in the book of Genesis. Two creation stories in the book of Genesis. A lot of people don't realize that it's two creation stories in the book of Genesis. So the first chapter, right? If you compare the first chapter to, I believe the second chapter, or I should say the first creation story to the second creation story, and historians have done so, the writing style is different. There is a certain level of math that is sort of writ in the first creation story and it deals more about, it deals more, it's more of a story of the gods, plural, Elohim, yeah, plural, the gods shaping, and I've argued in previous episodes, terraforming a a formless earth, right, so you read between the lines, or if you just read it with an open mind that's not blinded by um, misinterpretations, um, you'll see the first story basically says that the gods, Elohim, happened across earth, right? The planet earth. And three things existed when the gods discovered earth. Um, One, Earth, (laughs) right? Two, darkness, right? And three, um, water. Okay, so go back. You don't have to own a Bible. You can Google this, but go back and read it um, and read that first, and you'll see that there were three things, right? And then there have been um, scholars, one in particular, I believe her name was Ellen Van Wold, who have said that where it says in the beginning, the gods created, it actually meant separated. And so the word create, created being used now as our modern understanding of the word created is actually a misinterpretation or a mistranslation. It actually means separated. Now, I have looked at both sides of the argument. And of course, there are people who want to believe that Genesis especially the first chapter it talks about a god that created everything out of nothing. And so their challenge to that is no, you're wrong, right? Um, because, you know, one, they sort of negate the fact that the original um language in which it was written doesn't speak of a singular God. It speaks of Elohim plural. So multiple gods and i'm going to delve into that a little bit further um so they kind of throw that away because they want to believe that their religion is the only religion that believes in a all-powerful singular you know monotheistic god right who created everything out of nothing okay but one that's not the case right two Anthropologists and historians alike agree that in that region, the Near East, all of the so-called pagans, and by pagans I mean basically the non-Judaic um, Uh, belief systems, which that word is sort of disgusting if you think about it really, right? Because they're even hidden in that word is is a sense of hierarchy is to say that, you know, this religion is the chosen religion and everybody else's religion is, quote, pagan, right? Or, you know, just not the right one. So being mindful around that word. But all of the spiritual, you know, religious practices in the Near East, in that region where, uh the story of Genesis uh arrived, or I should say was found excuse me <laughs> uh, came forth from uh they they none of them believed one in a God that creates everything out of nothing, every single religion in that area specifically, their origin stories, their creation stories tell of their variant gods creating um the world out of things that were already there and they all kind of report the same thing a separation from uh separating the heavens from the earth all the same thing take it a step further even the chinese origin stories have the same sort of recurring themes um separation from uh uh, separation of the earth and the sky right the firmament they have that and also the breathing of God into human form to, to bring life, okay? So, and I'm going to get back to that. But not only just in China, but also in uh, Greece, in Ireland as well. Those same recurring themes. So, bear in mind that a lot of things get sort of lost in translation or sort of change through time. What I mean by that, for example, if you listen to English now, and I think there's a video, somebody on TikTok did this. Um, and you probably find this on YouTube as well. If you take the English language and you go back in time, like just 400, 500 years, you, you're going to have a hard time understanding what the hell the person is talking about. Because just in 500 years or even you know, 300 years, the language changes so much. Um, even now, Right, that you can see there's a generational shift between like let's say people who we call boomers and let's say people that are, you know, Gen Z or whatever. The way they speak is different. Um, give it a hundred years and that's gonna be, you know, that's gonna be a, a significant change. If you watch movies from like the nineteen twenties, right, there's like this way they talk, see, right? <laughs> like that whole thing. Yeah. Um it's just different and then you take it back you know to let's say the 1600s and it's a lot of these and those and all of that you guys catch my drift so like modern sort of translators okay and bear in mind that even translations are subjective they're not objective it's up to the interpreter what they think a certain word means so a lot of people are building like premises um and belief systems based on you know a person's personal a translator's personal interpretation of word or words and some people have argued too well a lot of these other scholars agree okay yeah that's fine but <laughs> like doesn't mean that a large group of people can't agree on something that is wrong right for example, there was a time when people all agreed that what took out the dinosaurs was um, asteroids, right? But now, now it is being taught that it may not have been, this is being taught now in colleges, that it may not have been the asteroids, right? It might have been uh, volcanic, vol- volcanoes, I guess, volcanic whatever volcanoes erupting across simultaneously across the earth and shooting out um uh, ash and soot and all of that and blocking the sun and creating like you know i guess a film or a layer and that was what caused the uh the ice age and the dinosaurs to die, okay, so just because a bunch of people believe that or think that oh okay. Genesis, for example, describes a God, a singular God creating everything out of nothing, doesn't make it true. Um, one, because of the fact that even in the first chapter, it, it's kind of a giveaway that there's an, there's an issue in translation there. Um, because the, that God says, let us, and I'm very specific when I say that God, I'm saying that for a reason. That God says, let us create man in our image, our image. Yeah. And it's funny because I'll go and I'll read like what people say about the fact that there's plural being used. God said, let us create mankind in our image. And the mental gymnastics that people kind of put themselves through to just avoid the simple fact, avoid acknowledging the fact that when this book was written, the ancient Semites the ancient Hebrews ancient Israelites and before that who wrote this you know this work did not believe in a monotheistic God that came later that came with the council of Nicaea that that came with you know the Roman involvement yeah that was a corruption if you look back in time that was not the case but people don't you know, you want to place place your belief. You know, you want to believe something, but you're not gonna take the time. You know, if it was like if we lived in the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, even any time before, like let's say early 1990s, I guess, where you know, with the emergence of internet, where you couldn't just Google shit or buy a book and find out. Like literally, you don't have to. You can buy a book in an instant with Audible with Kindle. With you know anything, or you can go on YouTube and research this stuff yourself, um, it would make sense to kind of hold on to a particular you know, uh, mindset that is false. But with the advent of like, with, the, with us being in the information age, to continue to hold steadfast to a belief that it's just flawed um, is kind of goofy. Um, and excuse me, I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I just I can't find another word for that. So that within itself. That breakdown tells you that the original writing describes Elohim plural. It, it was multiple gods. So just take that, and 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 even if it, even if there's a contradiction there, where it says, "I said, let us create these two entities, mankind and and you know man and woman in my image." How would that make any sense, All right? Or I said. See, even I just kind (laughs) of—I wasn't even able to complete the sentence because I like properly. Because even within saying it, it doesn't make any sense, right? I said I want to create. I'm I'm an artist. I'm a painter. Okay, so I said I want to paint a man and woman in my image, and then I go, "Let us paint a man and woman in our image." Okay, you see that that doesn't make any sense. Okay, now if I'm with a group of artists and we're about to paint. Some portraits, right some paintings, and they are it's there's a male present alongside a female, then it would make sense to say, "Hey, us artists let us paint some portraits that kind of look like us, right and then it would make sense for the males to paint men and the females to paint women right so the the, the fact that a male and a female is even described and defined in the first chapter should tell you right then and there that something wonky is going on. There's a translation error and we're insisting on believing in a mistake, but that doesn't just because you insist on believing in a mistake doesn't mean it's not a mistake. But that within itself tells you that um, there were females present, duh. Uh, like, duh, right? But, you know, we now live in a, you know, patriarchal society and believing that there was no female involved in the creation of the earth is what kind of keeps patriarchy going. But that is, that is a false premise. It's bullshit. And it's right there, uh, in front of your face, whether or not you want to see it. And by you, I don't mean you listeners. I just mean people who keep arguing that there was not a female, um, God. Uh, Google Ashira, Asherah, A-S-H-E-R-A-H, Asherah. That was the God's wife. And she was worshipped. I'm sorry, I should say that was the Lord God's wife, right? Yahweh's wife. And she was worshipped on her own, as her own sort of deity, the way people worshipped Hera, Asherah, Zeus, Jesus, I mean anyway, uh, <laughs> just kind of you know throwing some stuff out there for you guys to think about, um, but yeah, she was worshipped as her own singular sort of deity um, before uh, the patriarchy kind of did its thing, um, so Google is your friend now, the reason why I say the Lord God, and I differentiate that from Elohim is because once again we're dealing with two creation myths in the first and second chapter of Genesis. the first. Chapter of Genesis absolutely deals with a plural sort of conglomeration of gods, and they are very ordered, and everything is about time, right? And out of chaos, they create order. Okay, so out of the they happened across an earth, right? Or the three things that they found but they did not create. They found darkness, they found an earth, and they found water. Go back and read it. They found water. It never says that they created water. It says that they, they moved the water. They separated the water for the land. To me, and I've said this in previous episodes, it's it reads like, if you look at it from a science fiction or scientific perspective, it reads like um, terraforming, right? So take that story and twist it a bit and just say, you know, we have these entities, right? And to... You know, certain people, they would be considered gods, but they're not, right? They're just technologically advanced entities. They happened across an earth that was formless and void and dark. Who knows what happened before that, yeah? And then they started terraforming the planet, right? Separating the water. There's even a verse, right? Right there, I think the first or second verse or something like that. It talks about uh, a wind, a spirit of God, and the wind moved across the surface of the deep. Every time, even as a kid, whenever I would read that, I would always think of like a spaceship, you know, when a spaceship kind of hovers over water and you can see it kind of, you know, the force of whatever, um, the spaceship like separating the water, right, and then moving it. So that always, that image always came to my mind and it still obviously, you know, is in my mind and stays in my mind and I think that that's an appropriate sort of perception of it. So you have those gods and they were plural And they were male and female. And I I always imagine like explorers or whatever, that come through and do their thing, separate the earth and then start, you know, bringing forth animals or whatever. And and I think a couple episodes prior, I talked about this before. I just like revisiting, kind of building up on it um, because why not? Uh, (laughs) But in uh, Michio Kaku's book, uh, The Future of Humanity, he talked about um, should we continue down our path right? Of technological change. I won't use technological, I won't say uh, evolution, I'll say change. Uh, eventually we will probably evolve beyond, I just said I won't use evolution and then I used evolution, but we will probably change and decide that we no longer need our bodies and then we will become non corporal entities. He also stated that in that same book, The Future of Humanity, wormholes are constantly popping through. But the problem is that wormholes are so small that you would only be able to send kind of small bits of information through it he ended that book basically saying that at the at the big bang what caused our big bang right the beginning of this reality this universe could have been the end of a previous uh universe or whatever and then he theorized that perhaps uh Noah's Ark sort of situation happened where non-corporal entities were able to send DNA. And he brings in theories uh Francis Crick's panspermia, Google that panspermia, could bring in uh, the DNA through the wormhole as their universe exploded and this one began. And then finding a planet, searching for and eventually finding a planet conducive to life. And th- they happened across upon Earth and Earth was the only planet that had uh, water. And water is obviously life. And then that's when they started sort of terraforming. So imagine, if you will, what we think of now as the Bible of an oral history of human beings who have had the story of how they came to Earth, right? How humanity began on earth from another world, from another planet. Um, And that's just been passed from generation to generation. But like that, what's that? I think it's Chinese something or another, Chinese whispers game, um, where because it passes and it's an oral story from generation to generation, it changes and changes and changes. And so now we have a literal uh, understanding of something that was meant to be like more figurative, um and perhaps even metaphorical um story i guess of how this world was formed so i always like playing with the idea like i said it's like historical uh perspective throwing in science um uh, on mythological stories and if you think i'm picking on christianity i am not i actually took the time to also write you'll hear papers kind of moving around um theogeny um, which means the birth of the gods by Hesiod. I took that story, uh, Theogony, Hesiod's Theogony, and I wrote out um, a sort of science fiction story based on that. And I applied our, uh, science fiction, and I applied our modern understanding of warfare, of geography uh, of space travel and time travel even um to that and i gave it a different sort of um twist and so that's something that i do for enjoyment and so i'm not just picking on uh create christianity and i would argue you could probably do the same thing for your favorite uh myths, right? Stop elevating these stories of these gods as whatever these sort of super powerful sort of beings and start thinking of them more from a scientific approach, right? From a different perspective. Okay. So Genesis one, let's say Kaku and Crick are right. And this did happen. So they do believe that, you know, what began the big bang was something small, which would support the argument of something sort of noncorporeal, sort of entity or noncorporeal civilization condensing matter, DNA, condensing it to something minute. Yeah. Um, like even think about it. Like when you, when you like for military people, for example, right? Their foods are kind of dehydrated, and you add water, and it expands, right? So it's we we do take things that will eventually become big but we kind of to to store them and transport them we make them small. So that concept is not far fetched at all. So right? Now they got he, they get here the God's LOM and they terraform and it's all very ordered in structure. The the creation of light to me, right? Creation of the sun and the stars, that's just physics, right? And it's interesting because in the book of John, for example, it says in the beginning was the word now the word is actually another sort of mistranslation it actually means logos and logos is essentially logic and logic could be (laughs) broken down to mean science so in it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god i am tempted to think of our mathematical universe by um Oh geez, Max Tagmark, um, where he says it's all our universe is math. And Not to take it to like that to to that extreme. I would say that our universe is comprised of math because our universe is a simulation. For some reason, he says our universe is math. Tagmark does, and then he like rejects the simulation hypothesis. I it's just like people are just like willfully just stuck in a particular point of thinking. And I'm not that's not an attack to him. Like I get it, but. Like open your mind. If you can say like everything seems like you know where there's code and and there's math everywhere, but then to me, it makes sense that obviously something constructed it, it's a construct, but to not be able to take that leap and go, it's a simulation to stop why? like what does it take away from you to to think that anyway. If you take tagmark and you apply it to John's, right, and you blend the two together, it becomes, and, in, and you take the Greek word logos, right, the, the understanding of what it was. Somehow word became logos, or I'm sorry, somehow logos became word, but logos is logic, yeah, and, and logos could also speak to science, right. So in the beginning was the science, right, in the beginning was physics, right, and, the, and, and science was God. Right, And science was with God, right? And God, the gods understood science. So you even remove that whole monotheistic thing for for obvious reasons, like I just stated. So in the beginning was the science, was the physics of the gods, right? And the physics of the gods were, you know, with the gods. And physics was God, right? Or or was the gods, right? The gods use physics essentially to create this world. You guys with me? Come on now. Um, you guys are with me. I know you're with me. Okay, so then it would make sense, right? So now you you have you have DNA been sent through to a warm hole, the big bang comes to Earth, there's water, starts terraforming stuff, right? Then you have, you know, okay, we need the sun. Yeah, so then boom. Uh let's use, you know, nuclear fission, right? That's physics and create the sun. We can create, we we're we're working on that now at CERN, right? Creating black holes creating wormholes creating you know uh, energy you know mini suns things like that so that's what we're capable of i would imagine that a technologically advanced civilization of non corporeal entities that have moved past needing physical form which is what we're on the path to do right now um almost like looping what our ancestors did it's all stored in our dna right the information is all stored in our dna um it's not that far-fetched to say that in the beginning was science yeah in the beginning was physics um and science Right, so the firmament and separation whatever like if you really take the time to think and, and to take the time to study what the ancients have professed that was capable it is physics that we haven't even began to sort of wrap our minds around but absolutely possible like people have theorized for example that the egyptians have moved you know stone with sound right um with vibrations right but that to me is just even if you're saying okay in the beginning was sound, right? Some people have argued in the beginning was sound vibration. And so you could use vibration if you're scientifically advanced or technologically advanced, at least um, on the scientific level, you could manipulate matter, alchemy, right? But that's all physics, okay? So it takes it back to my point. In the beginning was physics and the gods, you know, physics, the magic of the gods, right? What is uh, the, the they're saying? science and magic become um uh, you know hard to sort of differentiate after a certain point. I I can see the person who I'm trying to paraphrase and, and quote, but you guys know the know the phrase, okay? So that's that. So that is one sort of ordered story of how everything came to be and you can take that as a sort of a story that has been passed on from generation to generation about the origins of mankind. And I would add, I would argue, the extraterrestrial origins of mankind. Um, Isaac Asimov wrote a story similar. I think it was Asimov. I'm not sure. Um, and, and I don't even know why I brought it up because uh, I don't remember the title, so I can't even reference it to you. But it was about uh, these sea creatures that were like kind of clones. Um, of like scientists and they've sent down to the sort of ocean. It might not have even been Asimov, um, but they had taken the form of like sea humanoid, like ocean humanoids or whatever. Um, and then they like had contained within them information about how, you know, the original scientists, who they were and their names, whatever. But over time, you know, the story kind of got lost and constructed and they were trying to make it to the surface. Um, of the ocean, of the ocean, because they were ocean sort of entities, and the idea at the end of it that eventually they will walk on land, blah blah blah, um. But that made me think of Genesis, and do with that information what you will. Genesis, the first chapter, to me, it's the opposite though, right? its, it's intelligence was sent through non-corporeal entities, came through the wormhole non corporeal mean non-physical and they brought along with them the DNA of all the creatures that existed in their dying world, right? And then they began to terraform the Earth and that this place is now like a storehouse for, once again, all of the creatures that existed in their dying world and across all of their planets. I would argue that maybe even millions of years ago, each sort of like continent that we, are, we have sort of represented here on, on Earth was their own separate planet. I've kind of talked about this before. And so as their world died, they sort of brought all the DNA there. And now it's, we, we call, some people say the earth is a zoo. Um, but I I think, I, I don't really accept that. I say throw the zoo sort of connotation away and think of it more of like a storehouse or, or a bank, right? um. If your world was, if your world was about to end, like we do that now, even with seed banks, yeah. If the world was about to end, you would pull specimen and and creatures to sort of from different continents to kind of preserve, you know, the memory and um, specimen from all these different things. Maybe not all of it, but as much as you can can store, you would save. In fact, it is happening right now. that is what our scientists do they do with seeds they do with plants they do with specimen um dna and 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 all of that so it's not far-fetched at all right you just have to think deeper okay so that is what genesis chapter one starts with and i feel like the first chapter of genesis is not only i'm gonna say this twice it's not only um more i think it's older than the second chapter the second creation story but i would say that it's also much more like accurate and also much more scientific don't take the days as like don't take the days literally like you know the first day he did this and rested on the sabbath like don't take it's metaphor right metaphorical so it could have been you know a span of time or whatever right so just take that with a grain of salt and understand when you listen to these books or you read these books, that a lot of things get lost in translation and it's okay to have your open mind and, and sort of go intuitively with what you think is being described, not taking things literally. Okay, so that's the first one. So to, as a synopsis, non corporal entities came through a wormhole. That's what, That's what I believe the first chapter of Genesis is describing um, non controlled entities came through a wormhole holding DNA, um, that's comprised of all, you know, like the world that they left, right? And they brought it here and then they found Earth, right? The only planet in the solar system that had water, and then they began to terraform. Like they came like in a little tiny, you know, spaceship and then expanded and then they began to terraform. Now the most important thing Is when they say they created man and woman in the image, right? It's almost like, think about it, like what's in an image. If I created something in my own image, it would be a clone, right? So they cloned themselves in their previous forms, right? So maybe before they came through the wormhole, they made themselves non-corporal so they could travel weightlessly, right? Travel faster than the speed of light. Because what can travel faster than the speed of light? Obviously mass, it has to be something that is... That has no mass, right? So they essentially shed their bodies, but kept their DNA samples of the DNA or whatever. Um, However, they they could do it um, small enough, though, to kind of escape and come through the wormhole into this world, clone themselves, and then that breath that every single creation story, pretty much, if not you know most, if not all, creation stories say the same thing. They formed man and woman out of out of earth, I would argue earth is matter. I would argue earth is a mistranslation. And what they mean was it, they formed it out of matter. So it was a spirit. It was non corporeal entities, right? Spirit, something you can't touch, right? That's what the Genesis says. It says the spirits or the winds, whatever. That's why I say non corporeal And they formed it out of, they formed the body out of matter. And then they transferred their consciousness into a material body. That's what that's saying. And then that sort of happened. And then I think something must have happened instinctively and intuitively. I feel this. And I think something must have happened between the first creation story and the second creation story, or we're just missing a lot of information. Because bear in mind, too, like a lot of the stuff that comprised the Bible, a lot of books have been taken out. Okay. It's just what they, whoever they are, felt was sufficient for us to have. So there's a lot of stuff that's been taken out. So bear that in mind as well, right? We're we're looking at things, trying to fill in gaps, but understanding and part of filling the gaps is understanding that there are gaps, right? And understanding like you could just like, if you don't have something to fit into it, you don't try to force something to fit in the gap. You just recognize that there's a gap there. So there's clearly a gap between the first chapter and second chapter. Now the second chapter, goes from referring to, I should say, first of all, the second chapter is structurally different from the first chapter. It actually reads like it was written by somebody completely different. And historians have argued and straight out said that it was written by somebody completely different because energy like just the vibe is different. Um, that's just how art is, right? Like if you are a writer, like you can tell what a Stephen King book you know, is because it kind of sounds... The same he's not all of a sudden going to start writing about like you know something that's outside of what he normally writes about for the most part and if he does you know venture out of it it's still you can tell it's a Stephen King because that's just how art is um and the same thing with when you're dealing with kind of human writers right or I should say narrators um the narrative structure is different, right? And if you go on my TikTok versus like somebody else's TikTok or my YouTube versus somebody else's YouTube, it's completely, I'm consistent, right? I'm bas- I basically talk about the same things consistently more or less. Um, whether or not I build up on it or whatever it is, dissect it differently, but I'm talking about the same thing consistently. But my my channel is going to be different from somebody who may look like me or maybe believe the same things I do, but their presentation is going to be different. And that's how you can tell it's two different entities. So when you read the first chapter and then you move to the second chapter, you can tell, historians have said that these are two different writings. So the first one is more about order out of chaos, right? And it it deals more with a a temporal, a time dimension, right? So it's day one, day two, day three, day four. And it's more about the gods and what they are capable of, okay? Hold on, I need to get a drink. Now, the second chapter deals more with the story of mankind. And it's almost the opposite. It's a story about chaos from order, right? So you have an entity, this is a new entity because now the term Elohim is no longer used in the second chapter, in the second creation story. So every time from now on when I say second chapter, I mean the second creation story, okay? The term Elohim is no longer used. Elohim meaning plural plural of gods. And now the Lord God or Yahweh Elohim starts to be used. So that should tell you right then and there that you're talking about two different creations, okay? All right? I'll say that again. It switches in the second chapter from Elohim to Yahweh Elohim. Okay? So look at it this way. You can say the chapter one talks about the the pantheon of of the gods, right? Elohim. Okay? All of the gods, right? Male and female. And then we switch to chapter two and we talk about Yahweh of the gods, right? Yahweh Elohim. The Lord God. Yahweh Elohim. So that says that this is now a some like a member of the pantheon and he decides to go into a specific region in space. So bear in mind the first chapter deals more with time, okay? And the earth, right? The second chapter deals in a, with a specific region in space. It actually even tells you exactly where it is, right? The the where the Tigris and the Euphrates. It tells you there. So this entity, Yahweh, who is of the Elohim. Yeah? So you think about when you think Greek mythology. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not trying to have this be an ASMR. I'm just talking so much and I need to drink water. Okay, so think about the pantheon of the Greek gods, right? You have you know Hera, um Zeus, Apollo, uh Poseidon, or whatever, right? So you have them, or even specifically, you can even think about like the Titans, right? So you think about it like let's say the LOM are the Titans, okay? And then you have, like, let's say the first chapter deals with what the t- the Titans created. And Then you can say that the second, just to illustrate, that the second chapter deals with what, like, mm, let's say Zeus created, okay? Zeus of the Elohim. So Zeus is a god, right? Zeus is a god and he's like a son of the Titans. So he still falls under the category of a God, but he's something different, right? Zeus is different from the Titans, right? If you're familiar with Greek mythology or whatever. So I want you to apply that same mindset. It's from the same region. So this analogy definitely works, okay? So now you have Yahweh of the Elohim. And if you go back, even in English, you'll see that the first chapter, says the God, or it says God, 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 even though it shouldn't say God, it should say the gods, but whatever. It says God, God. When it switches to the second chapter, all of a sudden it stops being God and it says the Lord God. The Lord God. The Lord God. And if you find the original Hebrew, the Lord God is actually Yahweh. Yahweh, Yahweh. So two different entities being described here. And it's not about this these, you know, pantheon creating everything. It's about this one specific God, Yahweh, creating um sort of copying what the Elohim did and creating sort of, copying the same sort of uh, creation. Um, And and the Gnostics that are listening to this right now are probably smirking, yeah? But it's all there. And is now creating sort of a micro kingdom, right? And in the Garden of Eden. So it goes from being kind of large and all about earth and creating man and woman you know across the earth and then it, the second chapter focuses on this Yahweh character just creating Adam and Eve okay now this is important because one that is what the gnostics believe that the that the Yahweh in the Bible is actually um, not a good person he's a false god right he 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 doesn't f- he's not the true terraformer right he's he's a, essentially like a usurper that is now wanting sort of credit for all of the things that the Elohim had created, okay? And the Gnostics argue that this Yahweh guy is like also like kind of a dick um, and that this world that he created um, is sort of a false world or whatever. It's not what things were supposed to be. So do with that information what you will. But back to what I'm talking about. So now you have this Yahweh character and you could tell he's not quite as powerful. Like if you read it, he he seems almost like humanish right so he, you go from like stories of titans being able to bend time and 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 you know do all of these sort of things right and it's all very temporal right and they're terraforming everything and then you shift to this guy that's like this is Yahweh guy now right so he creates man first and then he creates woman like why wouldn't he create them create them at the same time and in some like in the Talmud for example they say that Uh, Yahweh had Adam first lay with all the other animals. So a little bit of bestiality going on. Like He doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing, to be perfectly honest. So he has him lay with all the animals first. This is Google. Um, And by lay with, I mean bestiality. And then when that doesn't work, then he goes, oh, I guess I should probably like create a female or whatever. So he then takes a rib from, from Adam and then creates Eve. Two different creation stories, because the first chapter, right, talks about men and women being created at the same time and then consciousness being sort of uploaded into this clone. Something happened, there's a space, and now you have this dude that shows up and goes, let me create all these animals, okay, and then let me create like a man to kind of watch over the animals or whatever. Um, And then he was like, he didn't even cross his mind to like, I should create a woman, you know, with the man. And then he has the man like hook up with all these animals, Okay, and then he goes, oh, I guess maybe I should just create a female human. Like, even that is weird. Okay, like, hello. All right, so then he creates a female, and then he, you know, puts the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, which are metaphors, obviously, but he puts it in the garden. Um, And these are all metaphors, okay? Um. So bear in mind that, okay, and share this, because this is really good. Share this episode with all your... You know, friends that like this stuff. Um, But bear in mind that the creations of of the Elohim are still on earth at this moment. Keep that in mind. Okay. The creations of the Elohim in the first chapter are still on earth. Now, in the second chapter, he creates Adam and then he creates Eve. And then he puts a tree on there. And then there's like a serpent. And you guys know how it goes. You know, Eve eats and then gives it to Adam. And then Yahweh shows up and he's like walking. So... Yahweh is even though we believe it's supposed to be an all knowing all powerful God it he's not really because he first the first thing he says is, "Where are you right? Then he starts asking questions and then he's like, "Did you eat from the, like bro, you're supposed to be all knowing why are you asking me like did you not see any of this coming So he almost seems like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing right like why would you put the tree of knowledge in, in 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 the middle of this garden? Why would you put the tree of life in the middle of the garden?" And specifically, after, after they look at themselves, after Adam and Eve looks at themselves and go, okay, while well, we're naked and they feel the shame and cover themselves, yeah? He then goes, hmm, we should, and there's that we again, we should probably move uh, this tree of life now from the garden so that they won't, they being Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree of life and then become like us, like me, okay. Which then tells you that it's, it wasn't just Yahweh. That's why I like the 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 comparison between the Elohim being the Titans, and then Yahweh being like Zeus, okay. So you might have a Yahweh who created like an Eden, but then that also means that there there had to have been like a Shira who created like China or something like that, right? Um. And I say that because, specifically because I'm um, on a lot of like Chinese mythology, their God was a woman right? and that created them, you know, whatever. So, but similar, you know, making from clay, breathing earth the same, seems like that's the status quo. Um, yeah. So then, uh, so then they move the tree. He moves the tree and then has it guarded or whatever, and then sends Adam and Eve, you know, off to, you know, out of Eden or whatever. And here's like what's sort of interesting because there's the implication there now that Adam and Eve, like they obviously have children. There are other people there. Read the story, okay? There are other people around. And and even when like the story of Cain and Abel happen and Cain becomes marked, you know, he says to Yahweh, um... um. You know, if I'm, if you, if you, if you banish me from here, um, people will like harm me. They will kill me. And you're, you know, when you're reading that as a kid, you're like, who, who the fucking people, like, who are you talking about? Well, clearly that should tell you one, that there were the humans that the Elohim had created. One, and then there have to be also sort of humans that Yahweh, and I would argue other entities like Yahweh. If you liken Yahweh to Zeus, um, then you would you could argue that okay, like Hera created her own sort of Eden somewhere. Um, Poseidon created his sort of own he Eden somewhere, right? Aphrodite, Athena, whatever. So they're doing that. So they they would have sort of clones and copies as well of humanoids. And so when Cain says, look, like if I go out and I'm like I would get killed, you know, that answers the question, right? So this story of of the Garden of Eden speaks specifically about Yahweh's world, Yahweh's you know Eden, right? Which is not to say That across the board, this wasn't happening across other continents as well. This sort of creation thing wasn't happening across the continents, other continents as well. I'm actually about to go as far as to say that when the Elohim were created, creating entities in their own image. Knowing what I know about Greek mythology and talking about, you know, what I said, the... Um, I always want to say the theosophy, but it's not the theosophy. I wrote it down. Um, Theogony by Hesiod. Um, I actually would want to say that. Uh, the the first story, uh, the chapter one Genesis is actually could actually be describing, like a similar sort of parallel of the Titans creating, what we now think of as gods. Right? So the Titans creating like the gods. Like, I think that's that would make the most sense, right? So the Titans created the gods, right? Zeus, Hera, you know, Poseidon, whatever. And then the gods created us, right? And then the gods would be sort of more human than the Elohim, right? And the Elohim would basically be the oversoul, right? The collective consciousness that came forth, the non corporeal entities that are, let's say they're a hive mind and they came through, right? Through the wormhole. But then the argument there is that they could have been just like us. But like I said, sort of, I don't want to say evolved, but fuck it, evolved. You guys know what I mean. Evolved beyond the need of the body, Right, evolved beyond using the body, so now they become non noncorporeal et- entities. Cloned themselves as they used to be, transferred their consciousness into you know these sort of humanoid forms, and then I guess fed them the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. Right, taught them right from wrong. Right, and then allowed them to you know give them the secret to immortality, and I think that's what's going on there. And then from that point on, right, think of Yahweh as like a Zeus, yeah, or a Hera if you would like. Um, But everyone sort of in like creating their own sort of clone. So doing what the Elohim did to create them, right? So now we're their children, right? It's just like you would, you know, create your own child, right? So now we're the children of God's the way the gods are the children of the titans. All powerful, all the same thing. Now, what's the most telling? The most telling to me is that at towards the end of the second chapter, when Yahweh says, let us now move the tree of life, yeah, from the humans and guard it so that they don't become like us, knowing good and evil, that is very telling because that tells me, and I kind of said this on the on the TikTok, that tells me then that the only thing that differentiates like humans from gods, not the Elohim, but from Yahweh God is knowledge of good and evil, which we've already eaten, right? And that to me is like basically judging right from wrong. Because if you read on, you'll find that that Yahweh guy was fucking drunk on that tree of knowledge because he was a judge. He was so like he's like I mean, obviously like very judgmental. Like that whole Old Testament, like he's just judging this and judging that. And we are very much like that because we ate from that tree, right? Metaphorically, right? Because we learned, right? That was kind of passed on, right? When the, our when he when he breathed into us. And I say us loosely, because I don't think that that story applies to all humans. Because once again, um, lost in translation, right? The story, the, the story of Eden is only for those people in in the Near East. It's their story. It's It's the Semitic people's Origin story. So, if what I said is accurate, okay, then perhaps, perhaps across the world, right? You have Native Americans, you have Asians, you know, you know all of that um, indigenous indigenous people. They have their own origin story, and maybe just this Yahweh chose to mess about and sort of give that, like, allow his creations access to this to this tree clearly was a mistake yeah um but that's not to say that all of the other right all of the other um children of the gods which was be which would be us across different societies also partook and that is very important so i'm going to take that and kind of like jump into the very next thing i'm going to discuss which is I'm running out of time here um, but th- we're going to keep going on. Okay, so to recap, Genesis one and Genesis two are two origin, two different creation stories. I have argued, at least towards the end, that the first one, let's just say we can use the Greeks as a cross reference and say that the Elohim that has been that were described in the first chapter of Genesis. Are essentially the Semitic equivalent of the Titans. Yeah, they were the first, right? And they always existed, and they are, you know, they were the terraformers, so to speak. And I would also argue that, quote, always existing in the sense of that they came from another reality, right? where maybe their world was ending and so now i'm pulling sort of science into this and i'm saying that they they were non corporeal entities that sent dna and all this information through a wormhole and the end of their reality was the beginning of our reality right and then the story where they breathe into the physical forms of um man and woman right mankind or whatever is actually a story of uh, consciousness transfer into physical clones, right? So my previous episode, I talked about consciousness being the parasite. So the physical clones just being a vehicle body for which they could experience material form, right? And I think I also talked about, you know, when all these creation stories say that they created the Elohim or the Titans or the gods or whatever created you know, gods from from or mankind from Earth—they really just mean like from matter, right? So they they took a non non control entity and they breathed it into matter, right? And the only other thing you could use, you know, is essentially okay. What is matter? Well, you could call it Earth, right? Material form, right? So there's that. Okay, so then kind of ended the last few minutes or whatever talking about now. those were essentially the mankind that is defined in the first chapter of Genesis could actually be discussing um, the gods. So we're using Greek again, the Greeks or Greek mythology again as a cross-reference because they sort of originated in that same area. So it works, right? Um, To kind of understand their ideology a little bit better. So now you have the Titans who kind of, you know, gave birth to the gods. And then you have in Genesis, you have the Elohim, which then gave birth to the like Yahweh. So then in the second chapter, we now have Yahweh. And it's very specific to a particular region, which is telling you, the reader, that this is a the story of Eden is an origin story of the Semitic people of the ancient Israelites. They're not thinking about the Chinese. They're not thinking about the Africans. And I think it's their story because at the time that it was written, they were probably only really aware of themselves, right? Like every culture that writes a story about how they came to be, even though they seem to, there are similarities from culture to culture, the Chinese aren't writing a story about how Africans came to be. The Chinese are writing stories about how the Chinese came to be. And so are, you know, the Iroquois, you know Native Americans, and and you know they're writing their own story about how they came to be. So are the Igbos, So are the you know Yorubas, right? They're writing their story. It's their gods, you know. The same with the Nords, uh, the Nor- uh, Nordic people, right? And the Norse mythology. It's their story. So while we tend to, and we have been programmed to adopt the narrative of Adam and Eve as Adam and Eve being like our forefathers. Uh, as an African. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. That's not the story of our, quote, Yahweh-esque kind of, you know, gods. It It's specifically Yahweh created those humanoids in, or those humans, I should say, in that particular region. And so what I was saying was that it seems to me that, you know, this Yahweh person wasn't as all-powerful as like the Titans, right? The Elohim, yeah? Um, And he kind of made a lot of like blunders. And it also seems like the sort of the understanding what you're supposed to glean from that is that Yahweh has eaten, Yahweh was basically us. That's it. Yahweh was basically us, right? Um, So the Elohim, when they created the gods, the gods are us, we are gods the difference is judgment and eternal life although i have i i could argue and i have argued that you do live for all eternity so then basically the fact that you are told that you know you are immortal and you haven't eaten from the tree of life that within itself is a type of deception uh, because literally every other culture, I can even speak specifically for Africans, they believe that when you die, you carry on as your ancestors, okay? So maybe there's a guilt issue there or whatever, but even in the Bible, the biblical understanding is that when you die, you'll be judged, right? So how can you be judged after you die if you're you're not going to live forever, right? And then it says that you'll, you know, there's heaven and things like that. So, there's places you can go to after, you know, death. Um, so, that within within itself is a mess sort of situation. But I want you to really start to understand that the story of Eden and the, and you know Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel those are the first of the Semitic people in that region, the Israelites. Their story, which What you should take from that is then there are beings just like Yahweh. So bear bear in mind that Yahweh, the the hierarchy where Yahweh is somewhat saying we should worship him, that is a false hierarchy if you're looking at it from an objective and from an outsider's perspective. Because... (sighs) The only thing that, this, this, that differentiates Yahweh from Adam and Eve was that Yahweh was judgmental, which then they became judgmental because they partook, partook of the tree. And Yahweh also could, you know, live forever, was immortal, which because he breathed his consciousness into them, right, so that they could become a living being, that was not a technology that he was familiar with. Right That's somebody else's technology, but by doing that they were they they were they are immortal, right because consciousness is now in them, and bear in mind what I said in my previous episode, right every time you reincarnate, okay, you take on the persona and you believe that you are this and that and the other. But then when you die, your consciousness carries on, right? Same mind, same consciousness, just a different body. So the simple fact that you are conscious and you have consciousness or soul, whatever you want to call it, within you means that you cannot die. And so you had the Elohim that was consciousness, a hive mind. And once the Elohim breathed into Yahweh, Yahweh became like identified with the ego of Yahweh just like us okay so and I'm sure you probably maybe not have heard this but if you think about it 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 makes sense so then we aren't children of Yahweh right Yahweh might have essentially done whatever he needed to do to sort of create you know entities that he could dominate but this is Straight out of the book of Gnostics, this is what the Gnostics were trying to say: the Yahweh was a false god, right? He's not really a god, and you were no different from him, okay? Um, even him putting guard against the, the the tree of life. If you think about it, how how can a tree of life like give you life when you are life, you are consciousness, right? So the same breath that was breathed into Yahweh to give him life, right? Is the same breath that he breathed into Adam and Eve to give them life. And, and I would argue that the same sort of creation was happening, you know, across the continents. And then this false sort of dichotomy came through where then these entities decided, well, because I gave life to, you know, these, you know, humanoids or whatever that are basically them, because I created them, they should worship me and therein lies the problem. Right, so for example, you'll see this happening with with parents and children, and all you know across all cultures, people parents go, well, I gave birth to you, so you need to do what I say. Um, you didn't do shit; you had sex, <laughs> right? And then the body did the work because it's a machine, it's a vehicle, and then it put out a, a child. But the child, the consciousness, the mechanism in which the consciousness was uploaded into the body. You didn't have shit to do with that. And more importantly, the con- you're not the originator of the, the child's consciousness, right? The consciousness always exists. It just now has taken on a new form. But we dominate our children as though we own them because we birthed them. And so we, quote, created them. And that's bullshit. So the same thing was what Yahweh was thinking. Well, I created you. No, you didn't. You were using a pre-existing technology to essentially manifest this Adam and Eve, but they were just a physical form. Once he breathed into Adam and Eve, the transfer of consciousness, they became Adam and Eve. They adopted this persona of Adam and Eve, right? And then he said, Worship me. That's fucked up. Okay, that's why the Gnostics have an issue with Yahweh. Okay. The tree of knowledge was not a tree of knowledge. It was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, which basically just means to say, okay, this is good and this is bad. That is judgment. It's a tree that teaches judgment. And it was, it should have been forbidden, not because it means that they would die. That was a lie. Consciousness cannot die. It meant that what they were and who they were the understanding the knowledge of what they were and the fact that they were, you know, eternal beings, who they were, consciousness would die. That knowledge would die. See, if you start, if you study and you pay attention to Yahweh, he ate from the tree, seems like it wasn't something that he should have been doing either. And he kind of got lost in his ego and fully identified with form because he forgot. By being judgmental. Now I'm bringing Eastern philosophy into this, okay? By being judgmental, by being attached to form and saying, this is good and this is bad. He, his ego crystallized and he became Yahweh and forgot that he was consciousness. And then he sought to sublimate others. So the tree of life, um, I'm sorry, the tree of knowledge was not something You know, that was a truth in that sense. The tree of knowledge was not something, I'm sorry, knowledge of good and evil was not something that should have been consumed. Whether or not the tree, you know, that that being taught that, okay, this is good and this is bad, you know, is a good thing or, you know, a bad thing. That's up for discussion, but I would say that it's not a good thing. It's not about ignorance. It's about judgmental right? It's not about ignorance because it wasn't a tree of knowledge. It was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. There are two different things. Now, the snake comes through and I'm tempted to think that the snake is really just a reptilian race. I mean, look, we're there already, but I'm tempted. I'm tempted to think that the snake were a reptilian race that maybe existed in this formless earth when the Elohim showed up. Or maybe they just were you know created by like a reptilian sort of version of Yahweh, right, so you have Yahweh who's creating you know humanoids out of like ape descendants, and then you have the 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 snake right the the serpent who comes through, and he's saying no, you should judge right. And he says, I will teach you to be civil. I will teach you civilization or whatever. And it almost sounds like this civilization, they're much more technologically advanced. And they're basically doing, they did to Adam and Eve and, you know, that region, right? What, you know, it seems like they, what Adam and Eve and the descendants of Adam and Eve um, do to other regions as well. They'll go to... Like, um, I'll give, I'll come back to this, but they'll go to like another person's country and say, you should not live with nature you should not, you know, eat from the trees and, you know, just exist with nature. This is wrong and this is right. Yeah. So I think that reptile isn't actually a snake. I think it literally is discussing or might be describing a reptilian race, um, that, you know, consciousness has been uploaded into reptilian humanoid kind of forms, or perhaps they just existed on earth when the Elohim came through. But like, you got to think deeper about this stuff. You know what I mean? Like stop taking things literally and start looking at it like metaphorically, like it's telling us a hidden story here. Now, the reason why I say that, and oh, and then that would explain obviously why. Um, all of that, all of what I just said would explain why when Cain, you know, made the sacrifice or whatever. There were other people. And even when Adam and Eve left Eden, it does talk about there being other people because Yahweh was not the only um, child of Elohim that was on earth. Which then would say that all of the gods that had sort of ruled, you know, across the different regions around the world were essentially like related in a way to Yahweh. But one once again what I'm saying is we we if you have the breath of the Elohim in you then you have consciousness in you, right? And you have life. Then you are already immortal. And and then the only thing that separates you from the God is the ability to judge and you'll see that in all Creation myths and all stories, the the gods are extremely judgmental. I mean, that's where they get their power, which is decrying things as good and evil. But other than that, that's the similarity. We're similar. So then the whole notion, I apologize, but the, the whole notion of worshiping an an entity that has the same consciousness as you have. And the same immortality that you has, but just has decided that how you live and who you are is wrong and is judging you. That's it. That's the only power that they have over you is to judge. To worship that seems kind of sus. Okay? So this episode is going to be, was going to be called or is going to be called God's belly button. Because people asked me in a live a couple of lives ago, does God have a belly button? And I like the question. And the answer to that was yes. Um, the Yahweh that most you know Westerners worship as God would have a belly button because to go back, to kind of pull it all together, when the Elohim came through to Earth and they terraformed the planet and then made clones of their former physical cells, right? Then they clearly would need, right? They they clearly when they uploaded their consciousness into, you know, physical forms and it would be um corporeal right so it was a, a non-corporeal entity transferring its consciousness or uploading its consciousness into a physical form right um now if we're using science right as the point of reference then and, and I'm saying that the the first gods right were and then I would say I would even argue that the first gods were actually the first people, um, but the first gods were the first people who were aware of what was really going on, which is what made them God, right or gods right it was knowledge. you hear me, it was knowledge and understanding of what the nature of this reality is, and the understanding that. It's consciousness that makes them immortal, right? It's not the physical form. The physical form is just a thing. If we're saying that they were are using technology, then they probably obviously use clones and you need to feed like a clone, at least my present understanding, through some sort of umbilical cord at the very least, right? Even if it's on some sort of like, you know, in the future where they show um, that human beings stop having kids and they now grow them, but there's still, you know, the the mechanism to feed uh, a fetus is through the umbilical cord because that's just the nature of the physical form of the human body, right? In order to grow a baby, right, you need to, that's what the bell button is for. It's that umbilical cord for it to get sustenance because it cannot yet process food through the mouth, right? chew and all that as it's developing so that's my only sort of understanding of how cloning works um so from my limited understanding if that was the case then yes they would even if it's not even if it was a non form you know uploading its consciousness into a physical body the physical body had to be prepared first and my guess is if it's created in the lab or something like that there would need to be still a way to feed the fetus until it becomes fully grown so it would have a belly button that's even like a super weird like sci-fi answer to that but it's true like it would have a belly button um yeah because how else would you feed the 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 fetus but to say that you also have to understand that when they say gods or the gods, it's not talking about, none of the stories are talking about the physical manifestations of the gods because they're just in vehicles, right? So I used in the previous episode, I used the analogy of a symbiote and I kind of brought up uh, the show um, Stargate and how essentially the symbiote is, is like the god, but they just take on the bodies and they kind of hijack the bodies of whatever they're... Um, You know the Goauld or whatever, whatever forms that they sort of live through, and I'm saying that's what consciousness is. So God Yahweh would have a physical form, would have a physical body, would have a physical vehicle, right? It's almost like saying, you know, would the first person to walk on, you know, the moon or whatever, have had a sort of life support system like an air system? Yes, because in order, because that's part of the function of the suit, of the space suit. Like it needs to provide air, right? To the being that's within the suit. But to glorify the suit as the astronaut is goofy, right? Because it's the entity in the suit that is more important, right? That is the astronaut. So really, you really got to keep playing with the idea of separating consciousness from form. So the first gods would have been the... Elohim, who had transferred their consciousness into the physical forms of a male and a female, right? And then the the first, I should say the second gods, which would be human beings, um, would have been the same thing, formed from matter, I'm guessing grown in the lab, and then consciousness transferred into the physical form. So yes, they would. Now, Bear in mind everything that I've been talking about and let's go back to the Fertile Crescent to the Near East to, you know, East of Eden, which was like the, you know, Iran area or whatever, which is where um, Cain was sort of banished to, right? The Caucasus Mountain. Now, what I'm about to say is um, from the story Ishmael and I believe it's by Daniel Quinn. If you haven't read it, I suggest please check it out. It's very interesting. It's one of those books that when I read it, when you read it, it just expands something. just breaks little things in your brain. And essentially what the author said is that in the Bible, when you have Cain and Abel, right, the brothers, so Abel presents an offering of like lamb, you know, like meat, to, to Yahweh yeah to and by Yahweh I don't I'm not using Yahweh in what I've just kind of basically said like with the understanding of how like a Gnostic would look at Yahweh the people who wrote of Yahweh didn't see Yahweh the way I see Yahweh kind of like the way we in our present time discuss and talk about Zeus being like a total like a horrible husband and a whore like <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, but that was that's our modern interpretation. so when those people spoke about Yahweh, they obviously applied they put some respect on his name, okay, <laughs> um, which is not what I'm doing, especially with this episode because I'm just looking at it from an objective perspective um but when Abel presented meat and Cain presented uh like essentially the fruits of his labor or fruits of agriculture okay and even the story of because they judged they started judging things as good and bad Adam and Eve what that basically is saying is that the people who wrote those stories are basically saying that they're the first their first man and first woman they messed up by judging okay like guess something to freeze that no I'll say what I'm saying so they're the first man and woman of their culture and and uh daniel quinn argues that that story isn't even written about the uh ancient semites it's actually written about the caucasians but that's his argument i i don't you know That's why I said, read the book and form your own conclusions. But that's what he's saying. But I'm just looking at it straightforward. What the story there is saying is that once they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, once they began judging how other people were living, right? And they looked around and saw, they felt like we should not have to be subject to the demands and whims of the gods, right? Um, Then they were essentially cursed, and essentially it became okay. Fine, if you don't want to trust for the gods to provide food and and you know nourishment and everything like that, that was Eden, right? Eden had the plants so you could have just eaten freely, right? And they chose to to eat from the fruit. They chose to judge that life of hunter and gatherers, right? That's what that story is about, okay? So you have Eden, which is basically that, pers- that that region, right? And you have food everywhere. And so Adam and Eve, they are representative of the people in that region who were born into the region and they sort of walked around like what we, and by we, I don't mean us, I mean like what Western thinkers would call savages, right? They walked around naked or whatever, but they weren't ashamed. They lived in accordance with nature. And they ate what they could eat, right? Ate fruit or whatever, and they didn't really, you know, they protected, they they were shepherds and things of that nature, but they were part of nature. And then they ate from the tree of judgment. Let's call it that. It's not a tree of knowledge and evil. Let's just break it down to what it is. It's a tree of judgment. And then they became corrupted, maddened, like their predecessors, the gods, deciding this is good and this is bad. And once they began to judge, they judged all the other humans that were just like them, right? That were created by, let's call them, you know, the gods, right? So I, I, Elohim is the, are the titans and then you have the gods, right? Yahweh being one of them, Hashira being another, right? So all of these other gods that kind of emerge at those, t- those times are still, they're human beings, you need to bear that in mind when I say God, I don't want you thinking of like some dude in the sky. Think of them as human beings. If you gotta watch a few episodes of Stargate, do that. Um, Anubis, all of that. They were human beings that were created by the Titans. So I keep calling the Elohim the Titans so that you can mentally start to kind of draw the images. Um, but they were human beings that were created by the Titans. They just happened to be immortal or whatever, that's it. And so they were judgmental and they were immortal and i would argue that the immortality had more to do with maybe what physical forms the longevity of their physical forms not even them themselves right the longevity of their physical forms okay the the how long their vehicles lasted that's it because their consciousness that they that the gods had is the same consciousness that you have but your physical form doesn't last that long, right a hundred something years' max, but max rather, but even in the in the in the Bible, you'll see that the humans in that time, even Adam and Eve and canaan, they lived for a really long time okay so and then they, their lives began for whatever reason, I guess when you start judging things at as, as good and bad, you sort of lose your your health and you break down over time. I don't know if that's what it's telling us or what they're trying to say. Okay, so we're all gods. That's it. That's all basically I'm saying. We're all children of the Elohim. We all have contained within us the same breath that was in Yahweh is the same that is the same breath that He put in us. So we're all the same. It's just our physical vehicles are a little bit less uh <laughs> uh you know they don't they don't last as long. That's it. But that has nothing to do with the consciousness it's within you. It's just a vehicle. The body's just a vehicle, okay? So what the story is saying is that Adam and Eve, right, they they ate from the tree of judgment. And then they decided that the way all the other humanoids around them were living was wrong. And they decided that to live in accordance with nature was wrong. So they grabbed nature, They they grabbed plants and began to clothe themselves and to cover themselves, okay? Then... They started tilling the earth, right? So it wasn't about God providing anymore. They were like, We will conquer the earth. And then they that's when agriculture came. Okay. So everything that troubles us now in this world in our reality stems from agriculture. I talked about this on my on my this one of my lives or whatever or not lives, one of my videos, I call the loop when I talk about it. and then they develop agriculture. Agriculture seems to be the root cause of literally all evils, um, as we understand it now, uh, the development of agriculture. Okay. So that's what the story of Adam and Eve is about. And then Cain and Abel. So what the people who wrote that story, they're basically saying is that Abel and Cain are two different tribes. Abel represents the tribes of hunter, hunter gatherers, nomads, who just sort of trust that nature right, the, the earth or whatever, or God, the gods, whatever, will provide, right? Cain, when he presented fruit, he was a farmer. And what the writers were saying is that to the reason why the gods rejected Cain's offering was because essentially Cain was saying, I don't need you to provide, I can provide for myself. Now, Do with that information what you will. I think it's fascinating. And so he was rejected. And now the author goes further as far as to say that when he was marked, the mark of Cain was the whiteness of his skin. And that there was a specific group of people from the Caucasus Mountain, which if you read in the Bible, it said east of Nod. That was where Cain was banished, to east of Nod. And while well, I looked on the, on the map and that East of Nod, well, I actually looked what East of where Eden was supposed to be, which they give a specific location in Genesis. It says like around where the Tigris and the Euphrates meet. So it tells you specifically where it is. So I took off a map and I just looked North, south, west, East, and I just looked East. And that's where, that's the Indo-European region, basically. Okay. Um, that was where Cain was banished. And it's interesting because as Cain is leaving, he also says, what? Well, if I stumble across people, they'll kill me. And he says, no, you, you know, and then Yahweh says, you won't be killed. I've marked you and blah, 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 whatever. And anybody reading that would go, who are the people that are going to kill him? If it's just his mom and his dad, you know, and I feel like I've addressed that <laughs> in this very long podcast uh, episode, but it's profound, if I do say so myself, and I'm not patting myself on the back, it's just pulling all these ideas together is fascinating, and it's not coming directly from me, right? Um, It's all of these ideas that have happened across, and I'm just putting it together into one uh, sort of story, narrative story, to kind of get things, you know, easier to grasp. Um, So, that's what the story of Cain and, and Abel is about. It's not that God was uh <laughs> God was not a carnivore, right? He didn't hate vegans, or I should say Yahweh was not a carnivore, he didn't hate vegans. What the story, what the writers in the story are trying to illustrate is that um a rejection of the agriculture phenomenon. Because Cain is basically saying, I don't need God to provide for me. I will provide for myself which was a violation of I guess the laws, right? Uh, that all the other animals follow. Right? Um so, stuff to think about there. Definitely stuff to think about. But I hope what you've gotten from this episode is now, you know, pulling everything together, understanding that when they discuss the Elohim, they think of them as every time you see, you know, the Elohim, in the Bible, or if you can pull up the ancient, like Hebrew or whatever, and cross-translate, they're talking about think of like a Titan type of beings, but take that even a step further, and I'm I'm just saying Titan just more of because there are a lot of Titans were also non-physical, believe it or not. I think six of the Titans were non-physical, so think of it as consciousness, right? So the Elohim were non-corporeal entities, right? Just pure consciousness, right? And then they came terraformed the earth and then started cloning themselves and transferring the consciousness into form. But what happens every time you take on a new incarnation, right? You A lot of the time you identify as, okay, Joe or John or Tom or whatever, right? Um, and that's what happened. So Yahweh got lost in his, on his own sense of self-importance, but that's not the nature of this world. Anything that has consciousness is just like God. So you cannot die. Consciousness cannot die. Energy cannot die. It can only change form. Hello. Is this thing on? Yes. Okay. So. Very, very fascinating stuff. I wanna, I'm going to check my notes. You're going to hear some wrinklings. Just make sure I didn't forget anything. Um, but yeah. Definitely, you want to check out. Um, you want to check out, read the book uh, Ishmael. You don't have to agree with everything the author is saying, but it's a different perspective and something to think about. It's a different approach. Um, revisit this episode and share it, because I personally have not heard it. Ha- heard Genesis described in this in this way, and I would even take a step further now. Um, so every god, right, falls under the camp, the category. Even Zeus and Hera and, and all of them—they're just—they're just human. That's it. They're all just human, and you could tell because they keep mating with humans, <laughs> right? Common sense—they are humans just like us. Hello. I should say they—it's their consciousness that is a quote god. And the only thing that they have over us is the understanding and the knowledge that they are just like us. But it's like you think about the royal family or what, or all the kings and queens, right? They're just like us. But for some reason, they're venerated. Why is that? Where does that come from, right? It's it's obviously an ideology, a mindset that has been passed on for a very long time. Where humankind keeps worshiping other human beings who possess the same level of consciousness as you do, but for some reason they've just kind of said, No, I'm more important than you and worship me, and then we just do. But like Queen Elizabeth shits, burps, and you know, farts just like you do. Right? So we need to stop that shit. Um, But we're all gods, and we're all gods in the sense that we're all consciousness, right? And we're all consciousness existing within a physical form, the exact same way that all of the gods do and did. Because another thing that is consistent is that all of the gods and all of the creation myths across all the cultures also mate with the human beings. You, you can't have that happen and bear children unless they're both physical forms. So when they say gods, then it's, all this says is just the hierarchy, the same way we talk about kings and queens and rulers. That's it. That's all that is, period. That's all that is. It's a false, false sense of hierarchy, but that's what it is, across the board. Across the board. So, Even that goes as far as to say now when you read and talk about the sons of God, and we call them the Nephilim. If you break down the original translation, they're essentially just great men. Right? So, like, let's say, uh, what is it, Hercules. He was just, they call him the demigod, right? Because he was a son of God and a man, right? So he was a demigod, right? But he was just a human being right, and he died, <laughs> right, um, or whatever, right, and there's another book, uh, The Origin of Consciousness by Julian Jaynes, and he talks about how, you know, for a while, you you had uh, people who, when a, a king died, they just sort of worshipped and venerated his, like, his grave, and then they put in, like, his, um, sculptures of him and then that's that's how kind of gods sort of came about but they were what we think of as gods were just great rulers that's it and the translation supports everything that i'm saying so even the sons of gods were just sons of, they were just princes that's it that's it anyway thanks for listening these are always fun to do um, got some really cool episodes coming over the next couple of weeks. I got a bunch of books. Um, we're gonna be talking about ancestral trauma. We're gonna be talking about you know DNA and what the information that it holds and the memories that it holds from previous um, your ancestors. And so your your mind holding information from or your consciousness holding information from your previous and future incarnations, but also your body holding information from your ancestors. And could you theoretically tap into the talents of your ancestors? All right. Something to think about.